Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today we welcome Mimi Khan. Mimi is a bilingual licensed social worker who relaunched at the Families Forward Social Services Organization in Orange County, California after a 25 year career break, one of the longest we have on record. We are going to speak with Mimi about how she was able to relaunch at Families Forward after so many years out of the paid workforce. And we'll also do a little of the interview in Spanish. Mimi, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thanks, Carol. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And I want to know if we can start by having you take us through your early career and up to why you took your career break. Sure. Let, let, let's see what I can remember, because that, that was a very long time ago. Um, so I, I graduated with my master's in social work from um, University of Southern California in 1983. And when I graduated, I did what everyone did at that time, which is I just looked in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And that was really the only way, which seems right, pretty unbelievable yeah. nowadays. But you just, I looked in the newspaper and I said, let's see what's close to home. And <laughs> there was, yeah, there was this job opening at the county of Orange and it was at an outpatient facility in Huntington Beach. And so I mailed in, right. <laughs> mailed in my resume, you know, in an envelope and um, <laughs> waited to hear back and then went in for the interview, got the job. I worked there for about a year and then that was a, um, like I said, it was an outpatient clinic and, you know, no cost for people that couldn't afford to pay. And then after about a year, I was just kind of antsy to get into a more stimulating environment. It was kind of a small office and I kind of liked working with a lot of different people. I'm pretty social. And so I, I again, looked in the newspaper, the local newspaper, and I saw that there was an opening at Children's Hospital of Orange County. Mm. And that seemed like a fun place to work. So I, you know, mailed in my resume and got called in and yet yeah, still remember, there's a lot I forget, but I do remember that interview with a really nice lady named Sylvia Kirshner. And then I started working at Children's Hospital and uh, worked there for five years. And then during that time, I was working on my hours towards my license for my LCSW exam. You needed two years of um, full-time work supervised by a licensed clinical social worker in order to take the written test. And then once you passed the written test, then you were eligible to sit for your oral exams. And now again, you know, this is a long time ago. Now it's totally different. There are no oral exams. It's just a written test. But wait, I just want to intervene there for a minute. So the LCSW, we're talking about your license to be a social worker. Correct. correct, correct. Because when you graduate with your um, master's in social work, you can work and you can still get paid. But once you have your license, you're able to actually go out into private practice if you want. Mm. And this is important. Right. That's super important. You don't need to be supervised anymore. You get higher pay anywhere you apply because mm-hmm. now, now, you know, now you're officially licensed. But I think the main thing is that, right, it allows you to go out on your own, open your own business. Right. And we're going to get back to that later about um, when you have a license, like a social work license, how important it is to maintain it or what happens if you don't. 
Um, okay, so go ahead. Yeah. So actually what happened is I, in the meantime, I got married and a year later I got pregnant. This was all while I was working at Chalk. So then it was time to, you know, I completed my hours. I took the written exam. I passed it. And then it was time to, to sign up for the orals. And I was, I was probably, you know, six months pregnant. And so I just thought, oh, no, you know, this is not, I don't want to do this while I'm pregnant. You know, let's wait. Mm-hmm. I'll wait till afterwards, et cetera, et cetera. And my husband just said, oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I don't know that much about having babies, but I think that life's going to change quite a bit. And <laughs> I think that if you don't do it now, you're going to be sorry. Oh, and boy, advice. was he, yes, Carol, boy, was he right? Because as I look back, like once I had that baby, it's like life did change completely, completely. And had I not done that, I think it would have been pretty hard to go back and do those orals, right? Because I was in the mode, you know, I was working, I was in the mode to come back after it would have been harder, I think. Yeah. So just want to call that out to any of our listeners who are earlier in their careers and anticipating a future career break, just to hear this bit of advice about if you have the opportunity to complete licensure or have other important pieces of professional certification, it's really good to do it before your career break if you can. Correct. Exactly. So then I, I, I took the oral exam. I got my license. And then I worked at Chalk up until I think it was like the week before I had my first son. And then I had my maternity leave. And then I thought, oh, I I don't think I want to go back full time. So they said, well, we'd like to keep you in some capacity. So how about per diem? Mm. And so I said, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. Kind of what's that? And and so they said, you know, if we have somebody else that goes out on a leave or a kind of long vacation, you know, we can call you. And if you can work it out, great. And if you can't, okay, then we have to go to someone else. But at least we keep you on that way. Mm, and great. so, yeah, that was actually a great thing. And so that's kind of what took me to the end of chalk. And then, well, so are you saying ultimately then you're doing the per diem periodically, you were having more kids, but that kind of began your career break? Correct. Definitely. Yes. Because I eventually then just said, it's kind of not working for me because now I'm thinking about having another one. And actually, actually what happened was I, in the next three years, I ended up um, having like four miscarriages. So I, so that's actually what happened now, as I think back, um, right. I, I began a series of getting pregnant, having miscarriages, you know, going to specialists, Mm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's a whole other subject, but yeah, that's kind Mm -hmm. of what happened until I eventually then was about kind of three months pregnant with my second son. And someone that I had gone to graduate school with at USC reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm working at the Orange County campus for USC. They had opened now this satellite campus. That's when those things were starting to happen, Mm -hmm. right? A few years later. And so they opened a satellite campus for the uh, USC School of Social Work. And she was the assistant dean there. She's someone I'd gone to school with. And she was someone that had like returned to graduate school once her kids were grown, mm-hmm. right? So we yeah. were totally in different life stages, but she had been, yeah, my really good friend during graduate school. 
And so I went to talk to her and she said, yeah, I'm looking for a part-time field coordinator uh, slash first-year student advisor. And I just think that would be a great job for you. Yes. What an interesting opportunity to have on a part-time basis at this Uh, juncture. Oh, it was, yeah, it was actually perfect. And I said to her, and again, I know that's something right nowadays, you don't ask if you're pregnant, don't ask, don't tell, right? right? (laughs) And so I just said, gosh, Glenda, I need to let you know that, you know, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then she just said, well, wait, when is the baby due? I said, mid-April. She said, great. That's when the semester ends. (laughs) Good timing. Yeah. She said, perfect timing. And so I took it. And my, now my, so my older one was in preschool and that was a fantastic job. Really fun. Cause I got to work with first year MSW students mm-hmm. and it was in Orange County, super convenient. And so that was, yeah, that was a great year. And then when that ended, kind of, she joked about, you know, bringing a, you know, a crib into the office, et cetera, et cetera. But then what happened is, right, when my second son was six months old, I was pregnant with my third. Mm -hmm. And then, mind you, you know, this was pretty exciting for me because I had lost four pregnancies. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I just thought, you know what? I need to, yeah, I need to focus. I've got now, I'm going to have a third child and two little ones. Mm -hmm. I just thought, I, I need to focus, right? I need to focus on my family right now. So, it was really after that USC part-time job that the main career break started. And then that was it. That was it. I, I never took another paid job until, you know, 20 some years later. Got it. So Mimi, can you talk a little bit about maintaining your social work license during all this time? Because this is, you know, as you're saying over 20 years, is it merely a matter of paying dues every year or do you have to take continuing education or what's involved in keeping it current? Right, there's the dues, but you do have to take 36 units of continuing education every two-year renewal period. And, well, it used to be that all that had to be in person. So you had to go to conferences. So, again, at the time, I thought, like, well, gosh, I'm, I mean, who knows? Who knows if I'm going to go back to work? Probably not, um, but who knows? And again, you know, it was kind of my husband pushing me like, no, you've got to keep, you know how hard that was to get? You need to keep that license up, right? And so I would go to conferences and I would just pick things that were interesting to me that I felt could help me. I mean, let's face it, these conferences, most people would be super interested in a lot of these topics, right? Whether it was like, you know, childhood anxiety or, you know, teen anxiety or, you know, nowadays, I mean, in the last few years, I've gone to a lot of conferences on, you know, social media, you know, and the effect mm-hmm. that has on people, et cetera, et cetera. So I would just pick things, topics that were of interest to me. Every once in a while, they would come up with this requirement where, you know, a certain amount of units had to be in a certain area. And then the rest of the units could be anything you were interested in. So mm-hmm. I did that. It was funny. I remember um, feeling a little bit like an imposter at the conferences. Mm-hmm. Because, right, I, I, I would go and people were, t- and they'd be like, oh, where do you work? You know, you're sitting there waiting for the conference to start. And then they tell you about what they did and maybe want to exchange business cards. And, and I always felt a little bit funny about that. Like, oh, actually, I'm just keeping my license up, but I don't work. Mm-hmm. 
And with the response to that, people would sort of be less interested in talking to you? Or- yes. Yeah. A little bit less interested or, oh, wow. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. odd, right? And so, yeah, I just kept it up. And then in the last, I don't know how many years, well, it's probably at least 15, you know, they started where, you know, there were a lot of online classes you could take. Right. You know, for a while it was like, oh, you could take six units online or you, then it became, you could take 12 units online. Now I think you could maybe take all the units online. Mm-hmm. Well, now for sure you can, but I mean, before right. COVID, yeah, before right. COVID even, um, they had gone to, right, people are just busier and they had gone to, you can take all the units online. And it went from like, kind of like having to prove that you went to the conferences where you might have to send in, you know, copies of like your conference certificate. They send you something in the mail right before your license expires. You know, you pay the fee and then you have to check the box. Yes, I have completed my 36 units and sign it. Well, I just want to highlight to our audience who may be thinking about certifications in a whole range of fields, listen to how Mimi maintained this license over time, even with uncertainty about whether she was ever going to use it again, because we do advise relaunchers, since there is always that uncertainty, err on the side of keeping that license up, because sometimes once they expire, it's a much more involved process to recertify if you had let it go. Sometimes you can't even do that. You have to start over. And other times there's just a tremendous amount of work involved as opposed to if you had done this continuing education that Mimi's describing along the way. Definitely, definitely, Carol. And I think later on, if we talk about the, the decision about going back to work after all that time, right, that's where this really comes into play. Because when you have a lot of this indecision, right, if you've you've already got your your license, it's been renewed, that's all good to go. It takes a huge element of doubt out of the equation, mm-hmm. right? Because it's kind of like, if I have to go through all these certifications and jump through all these hoops, wow, is it really, you know, is it really worth going back into my career path? Right. That, can, that could be a barrier. Good point. So Mimi, can we jump to the role volunteer work played in your relaunch? And did you spend time volunteering during the times you were on career break? And did you end up doing volunteer work that was related to social work along the way? Yeah. So um, gosh, the volunteer work started back in when my first son went to preschool, because that's what, I mean, the schools are always looking for these moms that aren't working full time to help out. And so that just seemed like a natural, I could still be involved with wherever my kid was at and help out. And so I started volunteering back at the preschool, getting involved in the preschool board. And then it went to the public elementary school and looking for things that interested me. Like they had this program called Junior Great Books back then, which was great. It was almost like the early book clubs, if you will, but with the kids. So I thought, oh, wow, I love this. And, um, you know, kids read the story, you pulled out this certain group of kids every time, and you would discuss certain questions about the book. And so I loved that. And I felt like, oh, this is great. And I'm, I'm getting to know the other kids, and I'm doing something meaningful. Yes. So started that way was, you know, PTA president at one point when a new elementary school opened up in our neighborhood, then moved on to the high school where the volunteer work isn't as much directly with the kids but um, maybe more with fundraising. So, you know, headed up some fundraisers, Mm -hmm. just did a lot of things. And it was, I enjoyed it. Like I'd throw myself into it because I felt like, whoa, you know, I'm I'm productive again. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And then as my kids got out of high school, I had a good friend that um, was on the board at Families Forward and a volunteer at Families Forward. And she was the one that said, it's, t- it's time for you to move on, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and I will add that in addition, I remember when my daughter was looking for you know, volunteer opportunities, right? And, and I found this great opportunity at Children's Hospital of Orange County, right, where I'd worked you know, years before, but it required me having to volunteer with her because of her age. And so we did that her senior year, her end of junior year. So that was, you know, that was a lot of fun for me. And, and, and being there, like even just walking through the doors, I was like, oh, yeah, this was my past life. I, mm. gosh, I got kind of excited about what if. Right. Like remembering your past identity and sort of. Yes. Yes. It was actually going back there really brought back that kind of flood of of memories of like, oh, I had this life before, you know, before kids. Yeah. So what were the specific conversations or milestone moments that led to actually relaunching at Families Forward? And how long did it take? So at Families Forward, I basically, I was a volunteer and I worked one morning a week. I started by working in the food pantry, organizing shelves. We have a large food pantry there. And then I moved up to the front desk where we would triage phone calls from the community. And our agency primarily helps homeless families get into housing and new jobs and trying to you know, sustain their housing. And so we get all kinds of phone calls and I was content doing that. And then like a series of things. So my, my youngest was going off to college and my, my second son, second oldest son, was starting to talk to me about, so, I mean, what are you doing? Mm. And I said, oh, I'm, I volunteer once a week, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, I have a lot of friends, you know, and he, he's like, okay, mom, listen, you raised us, you raised four kids, you know, you helped us grow, you, it's time for you to go out and help other people like you're supposed to. Mm. And I just was kind of, yeah, I was, I got a little anxious about it. I'm like, well, I can't know. I mean, Jeff, what are you talking about? I, you know, I haven't worked in mm-hmm. over 20 years. I, I can't go back. He's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I said, no, he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I love that this is your kid. Telling oh, me. this is my kid. And I remember this, okay, because I was anxious about it. He said, we're going to go down to the local Starbucks you know, like the young people do with their laptops, right? Mm-hmm. With my laptop, we're going to sit down and I'm going to be like a consultant. I don't want you to think of me as your son. I'm going to be like a consultant and we're going to talk about, you know, how you're going to get back into your career. And I just thought it was a silly exercise, but I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I'll humor him, whatever. And and then he started asking me and he had his laptop out and he was writing things down and he started asking me about my experiences, like from your first internship, Okay, and then what population did you work with? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, Mom, look it. So he was pushing me on the one, you know, on the one hand, and I felt really kind of like dragging my feet because I was feeling very insecure about going back and and whether or not I still knew what to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and I knew that people always came to me, Carol, you know, and you know that, right? Like mm-hmm. they would come to me for kind of consultation or advice, you know, with issues with their kids and different things. 
And then they'd send friends to call me, right? So this was happening too over the years, right? And so my son brought this up too. Like, you've got some valuable skills. And oh no, that's just who I am. That's not my skills, right? Mm -hmm. Then what happened while my son's doing this with me, I get approached by the CEO at Families Forward, amazing, amazing woman. She just retired last year, Margie Wakeham, um, worked there 27 years, helped start Families Forward and has done a lot of mentoring herself. Anyway, she approached me at the front desk. I would say hi to her, chit chat. And when I was volunteering one morning, she approached me at the front desk and said, you know, we just got a grant to open a counseling department. And I heard (laughs) heard (laughs) that you happen to be an LCSW and I've already heard you speak Spanish with clients. So I know you're Spanish speaking too. So she says, I want you to help start that department. Wow. Well, I, I panic. What do you talk? I haven't worked in over 20 years. I can't start a counseling department. Mm-hmm. So we chatted a little, but part of me was really excited, Carol. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. And then this is what my son was talking about. And maybe I can somehow do it in some capacity. I knew, I mean, I was pretty sure I could not start the counseling department with this grant. So she had me come in and talk to herself and the program director. And, um, you know, and I really said, I, you know, I have to be honest with you and kind of went through all my insecurities, right? I just, yeah. And um, they were like, okay, okay, we understand that you don't feel confident about starting the department, you know, with this grant, et cetera, et cetera. So how about this? We'll find someone that's been working for a long time in Orange County that has experience with this. And then we'll find someone that we know you're going to like to work with. And then we're going to come back to you. Mimi, they must have, they, they knew about you and they really believed in you more than you believed in yourself at that point. Oh, definitely, Carol. Because I mean, it was, like I said, it was all, I can't say like, oh, I had this impetus and I ran out there and applied for a job, right? They were on me. And once they hired this gal, Diane Elon, fantastic gal, and um, we became good friends. But what they did was they just said, okay, we've got someone. And we want you to meet her because we know you're not going to say no. Mm -hmm. And I still, I had all this anxiety about it. I still felt kind of like, okay, I mean, clients are going to know. They're going to think I'm an imposter. And it's it's common, that whole imposter syndrome. I use that word because with therapists, right? That's kind of a common thought, right? And, And I just recently, I had this amazing intern at work that I supervised this past year, a social work intern. And- Um, that was one of the things she said was like that, you know, I was so much able to help her with getting through that whole imposter syndrome. Yeah, we talk about imposter syndrome and connection with relaunching. It's also, you know, it's all over the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, in in careers in general, men, women, people who don't take career breaks, imposter syndrome is prevalent throughout, you, you know, society and at work and outside of work. Right, right. So I, I just sat with them and with this, um, you know, wonderful woman, Diane, who had worked in um, social work in Orange County for the past 30 years, the whole time I was, you know, on my break. And just there was an immediate connection. And they said, you know, we're just going to start this department, see how it goes. And you can, you can just work two days. How does that sound? It's great. ¿Cuál fue la línea de tiempo es decir cuánto tiempo tomó? Um, so 
estuve de voluntaria por dos años. Y um, solo fue, fueron unos pocos meses um, desde que um, la directora me preguntó si yo podía trabajar allí. Um, fueron, pasaron unos meses. So fue bastante rápido, you know, una vez que, que ellos me preguntaron si yo quería trabajar. Hmm. So let's just translate that. Mimi, what was the timeline? Like, how long did this uh, this take from, um, you know, the, when you first had these conversations at Family Sport until you actually got hired there? Yeah, it was a few months, maybe about four months that they first talked, mentioned it to me. Then they found the other person. Um, then they came back to me. So I would say four to six months. Okay. And then, so you're working two, two days a week. You started back in. Um, can like, was it exciting to sort of, you know, you'd had this conversation with your son. Now you're working, you have a paycheck, you're in an office. Like, were you cognizant of these like milestone moments that, uh, that sort of marked this big change in your life when you went back to work? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I mean, my, you know, super anxious, um, you know, going in at first and, and I totally remember, um, that I was going to start like August 1st, I believe it was, right? We had this date. So I kept thinking about that, right? And being anxious about it. And then Diane, who was the director of the department, um, she called me and she said, oh my gosh, we have a Spanish speaking couple and um, they're in crisis and they really need to be seen right away. Mm. So do you think you can start like tomorrow? And wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I'm here to tell the story, so I guess I survived it. <laughs> but so um, like show up and dive right in, and in, in not only in social work but in bilingual social work. Right. Exactly. And so I just thought, oh my gosh. And then she just said, you know, they really need to be seen, et cetera, et cetera. And she would have seen them if they were English speaking, right? But she didn't speak Spanish. And so it just kind of happened that I actually started um, about, I think, two weeks before I was planning to, right? And literally, like, jumped right in, went in to see this one couple. Yeah, super anxious. It's kind of like, right, here's your office. Here are your business cards. And I just thought, okay, here we go. And it did, of course, I think I was, you know, I, I was obviously probably a little anxious. I don't know if they picked up on it. They came back the following week and they, you know, I ended up seeing the couple for months. Um, so I guess it went okay. And, and you know, as it went on, I, I got more comfortable and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is just who I am. I, you know, this, it, it all did come back. Yeah. And, and I'm just thinking about like outside of work, um, como cambio eso sus conversaciones y comportamiento con su familia, sus amigos, uh, su pareja? Yeah. Wow. Me sentí muy, muy orgullosa. Okay. Proud. Me sentí muy orgullosa. Mm -hmm. Yo no creía que yo lo podía hacer después de tantos años. Y kind of mi respeto por mí misma, right, subió mucho. Y hablando con mi familia especialmente, right, porque si te acuerdas, mi hijo es el que me dijo que yo lo podía hacer. Entonces, hablar con él y decir, right, oh, wow, estoy trabajando de nuevo. Y él diciendo, ¿ves? Yo te dije que lo podías hacer. Mm -hmm. 
right? Y mi esposo, tengo que decir que mi esposo siempre, siempre pensó que yo podía hacer, you know, cualquier cosa. So, no puedo decir que, right, oh, ahora que yo estaba trabajando, él se sentía mejor o, o más orgullo de mí. No. Él, para él era like, ¿ves? Yo sabía que lo podías hacer. So, uh, uh, mucho, right, uh, pero me sentí muy, like, uh, con un poco más, right, autoestima. So let's just talk about that in English for a minute. And the question was, so you're back at work now and you have this whole new identity and how did that change your conversations and your behavior with your family and your friends and your partner? Yeah, so I felt a lot of pride. Like I didn't think, because I really didn't, Carol, I did not think that um, I would be going back like this. And yes. so I just felt super proud, you know, going back to like my kids I felt for them to be like, whoa, mom, you know, they're all young adults at this point trying to figure out where they're going, right, mm -hmm. career-wise and all that. And so they're like, oh, wow, mom, actually, wow, she's getting paid to work. This is yeah. interesting, right? <laughs> so I, I feel like, too, it gave them a little bit more, more pride and feel like, oh, yeah, my mom's working, you know. And my son, of course, that pushed me into it, that was like, well, I told you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, no surprise here, right? right. He wasn't super impressed because he was just like, no surprise here. Yeah. Um, and as, as I said, with, with my husband, it's interesting because I can't say that he's like, wow, like I'm so impressed or whatever, because he always made me feel good about what I was doing, whether mm -hmm. I was in charge of the fundraiser, PTA president, you know, working in the food pantry at Family Sword. So there wasn't a huge change, just that I, I did feel good about like, oh, wow, look at here's my first paycheck. Yes. That's a huge milestone. Huge. I felt, yeah, I just felt this extreme influx of like confidence and productive and have somewhere to go every day that I need to be there, that I'm counted on. Mm -hmm. And and then I loved, I'm a social person. And, I, and, and you know, again, this is what's kind of um, so sad about the situation, you know, now with COVID, but I loved going into the agency and interacting with all the other staff. Mm, yeah. I loved that. That, feed, that. that really kind of feeds me. And so I was getting a lot of needs met. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And, you know, I remember even getting my badge on the first day when I went back to work and my official uh -huh. like ID that you need to sort of check in. And for me, that was so, so significant. It's just right. Like, you have done this now. Now, now you've relaunched. Mimi, we're running out of time, and I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, just briefly. One of them is: You've been back now for six years, and where are you now versus where you were when you started? Has your job evolved? Like, where are you in the organization? Yeah. So um, it has evolved, right? So I went from food pantry volunteer to front desk triage volunteer to part-time therapist, and then to where I am now, which is a little over a year ago, um, Diane, the director of the department, retired, and I took over managing the department. So um, I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels really good. I, again, I was unsure, same thing, right? I was unsure at first, and it's really been a kind of a natural move. For me and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Now I'm, you know, 
back to working. I actually, I work four days a week. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was a big decision to right to go from two to four and kind of give up the freedom and this and that. But yeah, it's been a good thing. Oh, that's great. And it's, it's, I want the whole, the audience to hear that too, you know, those transitions back in terms of timing and going to more of a full-time role. So I'm going to combine our last two questions. I wanted to ask you a question sort of retrospectively looking back what you might've done differently, but we also asked our final question to all of our podcast guests about your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if we've already talked about it today. So maybe some combination there of uh, the retrospective look and uh, any advice that you have. Okay, so always hard to say, right? Retrospective, right? If you would have done things differently. But I have to say, I really feel like that I I loved being able to spend uh, as much time as I did with my kids. And in addition, um, I had, (laughs) get a little emotional, but I had my parents around at the time. Mm. And so- I wouldn't have had that time with them. And so now when I think about it and I think that I would have missed um, all that time, that that makes me feel really great that a lot of times when my kids were in school, I would just be, my parents lived close by, so I would just be spending time with them. And as they got older, you know, I was the one, because my brothers worked, I was the one taking them to doctor's appointments and, and really helped them in all those later years. So yeah, I don't regret any of it. I also had the opportunity to make a lot of really, really meaningful, special friendships with a lot of great people that I don't know that I would have had time for. Because like nowadays, I I don't have as much time for that. Right. Yeah. Something always gives. And, you know, when, when we talk to people who've taken longer career breaks, there's often this element where there's initially the childcare piece and then the kids get more independent. And then all of a sudden there's an elder care issue that pops exactly. up. And that's, that's actually, that's exactly how it worked for me, Carol. It all got combined. Mm-hmm. And because my parents were close by, it all kind of worked out that way where then I was needed there. And, um, and I'm just so glad that I could never have back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of um, the other question, in terms of advice, I would say, number one, listen to your partner when they tell you, no, you better get that license right now. <laughs> Right. And not wait till after you have kids, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, listen to your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know you, right? And, you know, had my son maybe not sat down and said, it's time for you to go on and help other people. Mm. What, what are you waiting for, right? The main thing, too, is to realize that, you know, your life experience has given you more than you can imagine. It doesn't have to be paid work experience, right? Those years in the trenches and, you know, raising my kids, caring for my aging parents, et cetera, et cetera, um, that helped me build, you know, resilience, learn coping skills, right? Mm -hmm. All these things that will help you in a job or a career. And so to not feel like, oh my gosh, I've been out of it. I've missed out. No, because all those things are just building who you are. Yeah. And, and kind of make you the strong person you are. And so many times those kind of people, when you go for an interview, that shows that maturity, that resiliency of those years of experience really pays off. And it can be more valuable than, you know, someone that happened to be working at a job, you know, punching the clock for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the strengths of relaunchers for sure. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'd say all of those and then um, you know, of course, you'll listen to your, you know, your intuition 
and don't be afraid because what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. Great advice, Mimi, and it's wonderful to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's been great to be here. Thank you for asking me. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. 